So, listen, this is annoying. Mm. I, I did that thing where I, I made a cake for Rachel, but really it was for me. I mean, I've made her two cakes. I made her one for her birthday, which is, you know, you could expect as a woman, I think. But I made her an extra love gift, which essentially <laughs> was for me. There's <laughs> a, a self-love gift. Have you, have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where uh, where um, Homer buys Marge a bowling ball with the name Homer written on it? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, if you don't want it, I know someone who will. And it's like, it's always been this joke in our house that we will, you know, give, threaten yeah. to give the presents to each other that we really want. Anyway, so she's gone to Bristol now for a few days. You know, just right. to spend some time with our son, daughter-in-law, and the new pup, yeah. the new puppy, like any good grandparent would. And uh, she took the cake. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm at home and cakeless. This is, this is hugely backfired. Welcome everybody to episode 134 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Good, keep going. Oh no, I was you just nodded at me then. Why? I'm cheering you on! If you hadn't been encouraging, I might have delivered it properly. <laughs> oh, it's never going to happen. That is always the way with your encouragement. It actually ruins it for everybody. <laughs> anyway, episode 134 of Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, Munich, Page, him, Joe Davis. Hello. Here we are again. Yes. Indeed. Hello. Yeah. So you're cakeless. I'm cakeless, but I did have cake yesterday with listeners. That was beautiful. Mark and Helen came down from Nottingham. They're a bit yeah, tier good. three though. They're going back to tier three. Yes. So yes, we were like it just came down just before the outside the and yeah, all that stuff. Came. Outside in the mm. rain as it happens. And oh, no. I also met with another Nick this week. Always good to to Hang on. to vary the Nicks up, I always think. And and this was actually mm. quite a nice one. Uh, so that made a pleasant change. <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, yeah, my book is out. Well, it's virtually out. It's by the yes, time it you hear this, it'll be out. Look, there it is. In you my hands. have a copy. And here's the. I've got a copy. Here's the fun thing. You had a copy before I had a copy. <laughs> I love that. My copies actually have just arrived just this afternoon. But oh, when, I, when you when you had yours, you received yours this morning, sent by my lovely publicist Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, uh, Rachel. And uh, yeah, and I hadn't even got it then. I hadn't seen it. <laughs> I love getting your book before you. Yeah, that pleases me enormously. Anyway. So that's exciting. Yeah, good. Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah, well it looks quite nice, doesn't mm. it? Mm. It does. It looks beautiful. Mm. Very exciting. It's going to be on everybody's Christmas list. I think. I think there's no doubt about well, that. One hope so, so give give me time to read it, and then we'll we'll do an episode. Yeah, speed you read. It'll probably be what next March before we. Actually... Well, I was thinking next Christmas. You're not <laughs> seriously suggesting I read it before this Christmas, are you? No. Uh, on, anyway, just let me s- scan for pictures. Yeah, there are a few in there. There's a few. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and apart what from else? that, hey, no, I've got a bone to pick with you. Mr. Davis, because, okay, I edit this podcast, so I cut out some bits that just don't work or, or, you know, which are just just sort of not very good. And, um, yeah, well, I don't cut out. That must be very difficult. I don't cut out all those, obviously, or else we wouldn't have a podcast. Um, But last week I I talked about the cycling, about how exciting the cycling was going to be, and you yawned. No, don't you flipping dare. You, You did mock snoring over it. 
Right. And it, yeah. and here's what happened. And even you must have noticed this. What? By the end of the Duo d'Italia last week, on the Sunday last week. Oh, yeah. Week, no, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. guys on exactly the same time after 92 hours of cycling. Yeah. And the, and the Brit won it. A guy from East London won it. Very, very exciting. No, well, and instead, I, instead I had to take that out because Jane was snoring over it and I had to put in a bit about how exciting it was watching the tide come in. Yeah, but compared to Psycho. No, no, <laughs> wrong. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, I'm glad you've taken that so well. <laughs> <laughs> Go and write a book or something. Uh, yeah, bad. I am writing the next one. I'll start the next one. Have you? Yeah, it's, it's going to be about church, about why we do what we do in church. Where oh, we're right. all, you know, what happens in church and why we do it. Yeah, I've got to think of no. another innuendo-laden title for it, though. That's the tricky thing. <laughs> it's not going to be difficult. I mean, I like uh, to feel we're experts. <laughs> yeah, I think, feel I've used most of them, though. That's the problem. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's where I am. Um, anyway, how are you? Are you all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that stuff last week about the Jesus Reenactment Society. I've been mulling that through in my brain. Got a bit cross yesterday at a funeral, but I want to say more about that later. Oh, okay. When we come to... Oh, gosh. Mm, you mean Christians. Are you allowed to get hey, cross you... at a funeral? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it needs to... No, I hid it during the funeral. Quite <laughs> Just no. afterwards went out and kicked the hearse or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, what else is what else was I going to say? Well, I want to do something. I want to welcome Eleanor Faith Sherwood to the podcasting well. This is Gareth's uh, oh, new daughter. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and podcast listener, I'm told. So <laughs> that's that. He's our youngest podcast. Yeah, well listener. done. Yeah, good for the demographics. Yeah. That brings our audience age down. Let me tell you something good. I've been working on Soul Place mm-hmm. a bit because obviously we meet by Zoom, but we now have started a generic Soul Place Facebook group for the wider world, for the global audience. So we're going to just be posting up, you know, inspirational quotes and pictures so, so of people we love and stuff. Great. So the cult <laughs> begins here. The cult begins Well, it's already here. begun, like... in fact, hasn't it? It's already begun in Worthing. <laughs> yeah. But the cult spreads here. This is the it moment you spread. heard it. So if you're interested in soul placey type things or starting groups or just generally being encouraged to be kind and a better human being, then search for Soul Place on Facebook and join our group. Have you got a website with it on? No. Because that, you know, no. otherwise I've got to go back onto flipping Facebook if I want to engage. Oh, well, it, I, I don't necessarily want you to be involved. Oh, very good point. Well, mate. <laughs> but we'll put a nice picture of you up. Uh, <laughs> How about that? Oh, good luck finding Because you're one. an inspiration. I am. <laughs> anyway, should we get on? Yes, I think we should. Uh, feedback. Well, we've got, we've got lots of feedback this week, actually, haven't we? We have. Yeah, we have. And we've got, uh, you know, a conversation that could well develop into a fight at the end. So that's <laughs> good. This is the kind of episode we enjoy. Mm. So, uh, firstly, oh, firstly, I want to thank Caroline, who told me about her lovely vicar called Reverend Ruth Newton, who is a doctorate student on theology and ecology. And oh. I thought, well, that might be an interesting person. There's a good to, thing. To... Uh, talk about um you, you know an interview with so watch this space i'm in conversation well email contact with reverend ruth newton okay. and uh, that could lead to good things especially following the pod march uh, last yes. week well done to those of you that um, listened to that that's good uh a philippa philippa lovely philippa says 
Dear Joe and Nick, in summary, this email is to say a huge thank you again for the podcast series. Oh dear, sorry. Mm. Uh, I love the idea of us being the Jesus Reenactment Society, and I'm going to keep thinking about this. I'm doing some reading on the sacraments, and that image really helps. So I really would love to hear your reflections on the theological framework around the environment, creation, etc. I've been a Christian for a very long time, but have only known about the five marks of mission in the last year or so, which was flagged up on a course I did through our diocese. The fifth mark helped me frame our fairly recent neighbourhood fight with a large property company who wanted to build on a precious public open space in our community. But there seems to be a polarity between church and something like the Extinction Rebellion movement, and I'm not sure where I fit. On one hand, I attended an area church conference a while back. To say that I came out from the workshop on eco-church underwhelmed and unenthused may be an understatement, and I'm someone who wanted to get involved with eco-church. On the other hand, I have real issues with some of the activities of the XR movement, I know it's important to protest and act and that Jesus turned over tables in the temple. However, I'm not convinced about obstructing, disrupting and or damaging other people's work, property, etc. There must be another way. Mm. Well, interesting. Do you know anything about the five marks of mission? Do you know what? I, that was my next question to you, because I figured you would know that sort of thing, being the kind of hairy church <laughs> sort of person you are. So I think they're an Anglican communion thing. Uh, I'll yeah. put a link up on the website uh, to them. Um, the mission of the church. Uh, hang on, I've got. Here's the web page to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to teach, baptize, nurture new believers, to respond to human need by loving service, to transform unjust structures for society, to challenge violence of every kind, and pursue peace and reconciliation. And fifth, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life on, on of the earth. Mm. So this is kind of like you know what the church, what they mm. feel the church is all about. Um, hmm. they've missed out refreshments again and uh, yeah, I was going to say no, know, nothing about innuendo there serve, we need our own marks of mission I think on the podcast <laughs> to serve really bad coffee uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in, no, interesting I'll put the thing up uh, about that yeah well I think that's really uh, helpful so hopefully we'll be uh, thinking more about that in future uh, yeah no, future yes episodes. exactly right Exactly. So I agree with Philippa. I agree with Philippa. Was it? Um, you know. Yeah. I think I have. I have no absolute course. How can you have any problem with with um, you know climate change mm. campaigning or campaigning about the environment? Mm. I don't see how you can really. But I think that the methods in which people go about it are sometimes not helpful at all. And I don't. I don't just it... mean that by the civil disobedience no. methods. I mean actually their methods of communication basically yeah. are really yeah really could yeah. be really tedious and unhelpful yeah yeah so there we go um okay so now let's go down under to shane who shane says and hello shane lovely to hear from you again by the way hello joe and nick I can't do the accent, by the way. Uh, so, Well, don't even try. No, but it's sometimes fun. Anyway, I'm concerned about your geography and that you northerners may have forgotten that the world has two hemispheres and us southerners have been through our winter wellness plans and now mid-spring with daylight savings having started and summer is within our grasp. We are firing up the barbecue, bringing out the swimmers and getting ready to hit the beach, all in a social distancing responsible way, of course. 
We will have our podcast playing on our daily walks and may even challenge Luxembourg as the epicentre of the mid-faith faithful. Or is that faithful faithlessness? Not sure. He says, it's also come to my attention that you northerners from the motherland are applying for immigration in your droves and that the once <laughs> penal colony is now increasingly looking like the new Jerusalem for you northerners. <laughs> I think it's time that our great southern nation takes its rightful place now as the motherland and the royal family mm. move down under and you become our far-flung northern colony you can keep your cricket team politicians and ramble with europe and we will throw open our borders light up the barbecue and welcome you down to the new motherland even the scottish are welcome but they best move to western australia as they will feel right at home with their independence tendencies in the west of the new motherland it's <laughs> <laughs> good isn't it he says it's all, right. although although i think they should take our politicians of course anyway he says in all seriousness as we come out of winter and you go into winter facing more lockdowns and hardship our heart goes out to you all as you face these challenges ahead Ahead. I pray that your leaders find some consensus to see a plan through, that neighbours look out for one another, and may you all find comfort in knowing that hope awaits you on the other side. And if that fails, come on down. We will throw another sausage on the barbecue. Hang in there, my northern mates. Ah, oh, thank you, Shane. Well, I think there are a couple of points here. One is, yeah, I'm sorry if we don't think about people elsewhere. I never expected anyone in Britain to listen to this podcast, <laughs> let alone on the other side of the world. It is a fair point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That is ridiculous. The other thing is, yes, I know, I know technically Australia has a winter, but I never, I don't know how wintry it gets. Does it get very wintry? I mean, or is it just they have to put a jumper on or something I don't like know. that? It probably, yeah. Is it depths you know, of snow? We don't know. I don't know. So I never, you know, so it's hard to feel a lot of uh, sympathy. But, you know, yes, we'd, I'd love to go to I've never been to Australia. So we, we should have a tour. Oh, lovely. Yeah. But, but, of course, we'll have to row or walk there. That's true. It would that's... be a lot of time in your company. And that, <laughs> yeah. that, that would be better. Thank but, you, Shane. Anyway, yeah, that's great. great. From you. Anyway, uh, Gillian says uh, this. She sent us a clip from a Saturday paper that was a guide to a happier life, actually, and included oh, right. many of the things we've been saying in our wellness plan. So that was quite encouraging. Okay. Nice she question. also recommended Brighton musician Cosmo Sheldrake, who I haven't heard of. <laughs> But who's late? <laughs> that's a very Brighton name. That's a though, good. That's it? a good name, <laughs> Cosmo Sheldrake, whose latest album is his own recordings of bird songs set in ambient music, all great for Ooh, long winter okay. evenings, for transporting to the peace and tranquility in the heart of God's creation. And then she says, now it was mentioned that we should try to incorporate new practices in our plans. So we've decided to be much less of fair weather walkers, but to embrace all seasons and go out whatever the weather. Excellent. Well, that's good. And she hopes Excellent. to see us at Lee Abbey next year. I hope that well, too. Yeah, Gillian, I, I refer you to... I think we did have discussed the book by Simon Barnes on uh, rewilding yourself. Yeah. And yeah. his first one of his first rules is buy yourself a pair of waterproof trousers. It, it is, yeah. Absolutely right. <laughs> Which means you can go... So I recommend yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Good. Great. But, well, let's just pick up on that. Lee Abbey is, as far as we know, and COVID permitting... Yeah. Still going to happen next year? Still going to happen uh, on the... Um... June the something. Yeah, it's June the something. We'll get the dates to you next time. It's on the website. Anyway, it's Is on the it? website. Oh, I'll put, I'll put a link. Yeah, some of us, some of us promote things, Joe. Some of us are into marketing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. the irony, people. 
<laughs> anyway, can I move on before I get angry? Yes, please do. Please do. Oh, don't get more angry. Okay, go <laughs> I on. Know, I'm still simmering from yesterday. Anyway, uh, Kate says, Hi, guys. I thought a lot during the first lockdown about how to keep mentally healthy and enjoyed my regime of run, garden, learn Italian, work from home, housework, reading, excessive podcast listening, etc., etc., Although now back at work, life is still restricted and I've tried to continue to keep structure and included decluttering in my new list of to-dos. This included watching Marie Kondo's series on Netflix on tidying and our drawers are now full of beautifully folded pieces of clothing. We still need to complete books, the airing cupboard and much more and I was reminded when listening to Steve's question about how to keep the lists fresh of Marie's mantra of finding what sparks joy. Decluttering isn't a matter of what we can bring ourselves to throw out, but of finding those items that bring us joy and that we want to take into the future with us. I was thinking about how more widely this could be applied when doing a life audit to keep it positive, finding those things in our life that bring us and others joy and that will bring blessing to the future and making those the focus of our lists and intentions and letting other things slide away. I'm going to try to keep reminding myself of this when the arguments about what to throw away risk becoming heated. It isn't about what you don't need, but about what will bring you joy and blessing to us and others. Have a great week. Mm. That's good. Thank you, Kay. Have you ever done the Marie Kondo stuff? I haven't, no. I know not of what she speaks. Okay, Marie Kondo is Japanese uh, tidying guru. Um, And, uh, yeah, that is her whole thing about you keep... You keep around you what brings you joy. I've never um, really tried to sort of um, impose it too much in this house on the grounds that Claire might decide that I don't give her any joy and uh, throw me out. <laughs> she may well. <laughs> but actually, what do you it's mean, Mike? Because... <laughs> it's quite funny, really, because one of the things she's famous on, Marie Kondo, is how to fold things nicely, right? And she has this real system of folding things. Okay. And I was all prepared to sort of you know mock that and then i tried it and do you know what it, when you've got all your clothes in your drawer really nicely folded it does that it's quite a lovely moment really can i just say listeners he criticized me for saying about the sea coming in and out that's all <laughs> well uh, you know i haven't i haven't done it any more than just the clothes drawers actually but you know it's quite nice it gives you the illusion of being in control and i think that's all you need anyway let's let's move on okay that's brilliant. Okay, well, lastly, we go to Helen. And Helen said something rather mm. brilliant, I thought. She said, Hi, Joan I was reading a book about Celtic Christian spirituality. And it said, rather than believing God created out of nothing, standard doctrine, they believe oh. that God created out of God's self. Therefore, every single bit of the universe is made from God. This blew my mind. I think this makes a huge difference to how we view creation and environmental issues and i love that and i thought it'd be fun to kind of reflect on that so thank you for that helen mm. and uh we will now discuss <laughs> <laughs> let's well, have a heated debate <laughs> <laughs> helen i'd love to know what the book was actually yeah but um i i think just to put throwing something that god self that term that's a very interesting little term yeah. there uh, and my understanding is that that is a, a recent term. It's not. A, I just want to clear this up in case I'm not sure Helen's implying this, but it, it's not a Celtic term. Okay, it's a term that only dates to the 70s, I think, in terms of theology. Mm. And it's one of those ways that I think it was originally. Um, you might like this actually, because it, it was originally um, called it was created to avoid using 
himself or herself for God. So to take that out of the, mm. you know, so you talk about God's self instead mm. of himself. Yeah. Well, I like that. So, I mean, you, you, I knew you'd like that. Yeah, well, I yeah. do. But I just wanted to... That's a very minor point, but I just wanted to say that at the first because I think the Celts get enough credit for all kinds of stuff without us sure. know, throwing that in their way. But now what really... Let's let's go into the nitty-gritty yeah, here. Yeah, let's dig down here. Why has this rung your bell, as it were? Well, because some time ago we said, here's some of the things we're going to be discussing in the upcoming series... And one of them was our notions and images of God and, and how we think about God. Um, we also said the environment. And I think bish bash bosh, here's, here's a way of bringing both of those things together. Because I think we would end up with a far more sacred view of the environment if we saw it as being an expression of the divine, you know, God's self, as it were, the divine self. Um, so I think that's great. You know, inevitably, our image of God when we start out starts sort of as authoritarian, you know, generally male figure, possibly one that needs sacrifice and worship. Often, you know, our first image mm. of God is quite needy <laughs> and uh, yes. and and also scary. Uh, so so we counter that by saying, but he's also very loving, even though he get you in the end if you don't believe the right stuff. Um, it's surprising, by the way, how dominant that narrative still is but i'll leave that anger to one side so so there's this big you know i mean one of the very few latin terms i actually remember from college was this kind of ex nihilo how do you say ex nihilo nihilo i don't know latin ex nihilo ex nihilo but the idea is that god created out of nothing and that's important Mm. because you've got to keep god separate from everything else lest you end up worshipping the shrubbery uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay so you know and you get that and you get that notion fairly spuriously from the genesis accounts i think genesis you know creation myth was preceded by other mesopotamian kind of creation myths there's the you know the stuff with the Sumerian myth, which was about a goddess called Namu, wasn't it? And then, mm. and then the uh, the Babylonian god Marduk created after a bit mm. of a fight, I seem to recall, and and all these other ones. And then the Genesis one came along without actually very much difference than a lot of those. The idea of water and chaos and God creating. Yeah, out yeah, of this there kind are of... some significant distances. Well, though, I, I would, say, I would but, like, you you go. Well, you I would say the biggest one in. being that humanity was created in the image of god i yes, think I, I i would say yes. that that is very distinctive to the judeo christian tradition but actually a lot of the other stuff including six days including snakes including the order including all sorts of other fairly major detail also you know you can find in a predated version of those things so again you know bible writers nicking stuff but twisting it and i'm all for that that's great. You know, you want to <laughs> you want quite, you want to sell a new book. You haven't got much more to say, so I'm going to take <laughs> someone else's book, and I'm just going to put my own little okay. twist on it. You know, I mean, don't tell me you've right, never done okay. that. Uh, so, well, yes, you've there, okay. There, there, there are there are some sort of common things. There aren't that many, and but and they're not quite as you say. I don't think. I think you're you're caricaturing a bit. But I think one certainly the idea of um, 
there being nothing before the world mm. isn't actually in Genesis. Uh, it, because it's all how you translate those opening yeah, lines. Exactly. And so if you translate those when God, which is it should be mm. translated, is when God began to create mm. the earth. The earth was formless and without yeah. shape. And the, the, so there's so, God brings, there is something there yeah. and God brings order into it. Exactly. That's the, that's the point. Yeah. There is something yeah. there. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, yeah, there's a whole load of issues around what that something is. But, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it, that's not from nothing as such there. God brings order to the chaos. There's chaos. Yes, there's exactly. chaos there yes. already. Yes. Yeah. 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 But it's it's very different. For, I mean, the, the the account of God in Genesis is is very opposite in in a sense to the Sumerian and the Babylonian myth, which are and in which the gods are very needy. They're exceptionally <laughs> yeah, they needy. needy. They need they need worship. They yeah, need servants to work oh, work for them. Gosh. They need all this stuff. Whereas the god of Genesis is not a needy god. No. In that sense at all. God has. Mat- no, anyway, sorry. No, no, I just no. Let's clarify that. Well, I, on, I, well the other thing that I think makes sense of this, you know, shall we say, alleged Celtic view at this point, because I know you like to debunk <laughs> these things. Uh, sorry about that. No, Helen. no, no. I just no, don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. Not necessarily. I know there was. A, I can't remember the name of the yeah. theologian, the Celtic theologian, who did talk about this stuff. But, it began with an E, but I can't remember. But you know, I mean, you know, I love the whole Brian Cox stuff and the idea of a singularity, not to be confused with the how singularity is used nowadays, which is normally in terms of the technical singularity, which is... I don't understand well, we'll let, what you just said Well, the technical singularity is that point at which AI takes over, when computers start running the world oh, instead of humans. Yeah, when basically oh. when computers get uh, more intelligent than we are. So at that point... Mm. That's that, that's also called a singularity. But the original... Oh, okay. I think I think Carl Sagan got there before before that lot. Um, and possibly others. And they said, you know, the idea of the singularity was this tiny, invisible to the naked eye um, speck of potential right. from which the universe began, all of the universe. So, mm. uh, I mean, that in itself is just mind blowing that absolutely everything in the universe, every star, every rock, every meteor, everything came from something so small the naked eye couldn't even see it. Um, so that's what, you know, I mean, scientists aren't saying that's definitely it, but that's their best shot at it at the moment. I like that because it's sort of, um, it's sort of a different way of describing a similar thing. All of this has come from one place and out of it is all things. So we, you know, we do share a lot of stuff. I mean, at a very basic level, carbon, you know, we share carbon with the stars we have yes. come from stardust, perhaps, if you allow yourself a non-literal reading of the Genesis account. And um, and we're heading back that way, furthermore, in a few billion years mm. when our sun has burnt out. And uh, Andromeda's going to crash this way, I think, into our galaxy. So, yeah, this is all very exciting stuff. Is that, when's that? Is that like, I think it'll uh, be a Wednesday. Wednesday. It'll probably be a Wednesday. That tends to be, the, oh. you know, the day for cosmic events, but it can vary. I'll do my sh- I, won't, I won't bother to do the shopping that week. <laughs> there are regional variations. Uh, <laughs> it depends what tier you're in. <laughs> a tier, a tier infinity. Yeah. Andromeda's crashing. Yeah, right. Anyway, the point is, you know, you've got this. You've already got this picture of all of life, this expanding universe coming from one tiny speck. Is it so hard, right. therefore, for Christians to believe that all and everything has expanded from the bosom of God, God's self? 
No, I, it's not. Well, I don't think it should be. No, mm. is it? I think I think it's just uh, there's a whole lot of questions about what you mean by certain things within that. I mean, so look, that, that singularity thing—that's mm. really interesting because there's a there's a vision of Julian of Norwich has. Mm. Um, she was a sort of. 14th century mystic, I think. Mm. And she says this amazing vision where she where God shows her everything. And and it's a it's the size, she says it's a small thing, the size of a hazelnut. Wow. And she I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I'll try and find the, the excerpt. It's like it's like the galaxy in men in black. That's what well, you're describing. <laughs> I, I, I'm, there's a lot I can't remember that, but but I mean she, she says and she asks God what is it? And he says it's everything, it's love, it's everything. It's everything that. that is powered by love. And I, when I read that uh, last year, when I was on pilgrimage, mm. I thought, oh, that does sound like people describing... Yeah, it does. You know, what you go on about, cos- and I sort of phase out normally. A at these cosmological points. event. When you get cosmological, I, I sort of start thinking... No, oh. you start fantasising about cycling, you nerd. But- <laughs> I start remembering. <laughs> OK, let's go back to the, um, the ex-Nilo thing. Yeah. I think you are right. Part of the idea about the theology of creation ex nihilo is is to say that cre- that creation itself is not divine. I think it's to, it's not so much yeah. to separate. It's not so much to, uh, to 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 separate God from creation as to keep God uh, distinct. I suppose you know it's not oh, to say yeah. that creation isn't doesn't have aspects of God and isn't in a sense, in the image of God is the way we are, but it's to keep it, it's it's to make sure you don't end up exactly worshipping a rock and saying, because, yeah. you know, and I think, put it another way, the world is not divine. Well, I... In that sense, yeah, well, it's not a I God. I could not disagree more. It's not a God. Well, you so you'd be happy to worship the world, would you? Um, In a, in a bit of a way, yeah. Yeah, I actually hmm. would, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, but, but you know, you can't have your cake and eat it. Or you, in my case, you just can't have cake. But but you can't... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to open up that wound. But you can't say, oh, well, no, God needs to create out of nothing. But he's still involved. He's, no, no. Well, so now God is outside. Of, I'm a created thing, but God is outside of it. It depends what you mean by outside. And it depends what aspects of... See, I think... The part of the issue here is, well, you know, why would you have a problem with the with the world not being pure God, as it were? Well, you'd have a problem because the world is flawed in so many ways. There is sickness, there is disease, there is mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, there's. It's not a. It's not a purely kind of good place in that sense. Lots of crap stuff happens, and so you know, you have a whole load of problems with that. Yeah, I I, I see where you're going with it. I don't still don't agree with it, but yeah, I see the problem. Well, I think that I think there's lots of stuff in the the the, the 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 kind of standard biblical, not biblical, standard theological kind of Christian ideas and Jewish ideas. The world is not is is divinely created, but is not quite as God wanted it. Something some things have gone wrong in it. Some things are not mm. as they should be, mm. and so there is sickness and death mm. and pain and suffering. And there is, and and not all of that is human oriented. Is it so? Go on then. Sorry, no, carry no, on. Well, well was, who's going to go? Me or you? You say. You you go because you're looking pained. Well, I am pained because I think I I don't think I agree with the fact that death entered the world as a result of sin and stuff. I think death death in that sense has always been part of the universe. So I our 
our actual physical atoms were once in other people. How about that for a start? Or animals were once stars were once. So so there's a quite a violent we might call it a violent to put emotional language in it of quite a violent start to the universe. And in a sense, there are constantly stars expanding and collapsing with the chaos that goes or what seems like chaos to us going the the earth requires volcanic activity it's bad news if you're in the way of a volcano because it will kill you when it erupts but actually our earth needs a volcano to erupt just like it needs earthquakes to happen it's just bad news if you've built your house on top of a tectonic plate. I think there's a whole host so, ho- so, whole host so there's all things, sorts of things though, and there? also there are there is evil in the world because we are greedy gits and you know we want so much so and there's a lack of love which also explains a lot of human suffering and and you know so so no I don't doubt there's evil I don't doubt there's sin but I still think that every single atom in the entire universe could still be divine Mm, I don't think I can go with that. I can. Th- it dep- well, it depends what you mean with divine, right? How is the world divine? How does it reflect God? Not in the sense that I think it is morally uh, perfect mm. in that way. No. Not in the sense no. that, it, that's, it, that it, actually that it's perfect. No. I think it. I think it most. Refre- I think the way in which the world reflects God is that it is love, and it is free. And love is freedom. Yeah. As much as anything else, yeah. and f- and that is it's also that means it's also flawed, you know. Mm. That part of the way that God, the part of the way that God created this mm. was to create it out of love, and love means letting people make decisions mm. for themselves, yeah. and maybe even letting creation, yeah, I think make so. decisions for itself in a way, insofar so, as it can. So I'm I'm with you. We haven't disagreed. Yes. Yeah, this is good. Well, yeah. uh, well, I I just I think it's all about where the worship goes for me. So I'm not. You know, I kind of always want to look beyond the world mm. to the creator. And that's the, that I think is what Ex Nihilo is always trying to do. It's trying to say, actually, you don't end up worshipping a rock as such. You end up worshipping the person who, the being mm. that created the rock or seeking that. Mm, yeah. And that's why I think that's why I think our responses to the world are largely about things like beauty. Mm. You know, that moves us. So when you sit, ignoring mm. the really exciting cycling that's going on mm. and watching the tide, mm. you are responding to beauty. Where does beauty come from? It doesn't come mm. from the world. It doesn't mm. come from creation as such. There's no reason for it oh. except that I think it's divine. Uh, I think it's yeah. divine. I think it, yeah. it's, an exp- it's, it's something there that that's, that's links to something greater than the world. I mean, the, the horsehead nebula... Right. Is that why? Is that a place? Uh, it's not in Sussex. Okay. Uh, well, you know those pictures you see yeah. of the amazing yeah. thing? Yeah. The Horsehead Nebula itself does not know it's beautiful. No. It doesn't understand that. It, 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 you know, I've spoken to it and it more or less says, it says no, I don't like, my bum's too big. Yeah. Look. <laughs> I've got all these stars <laughs> in the wrong place. I know. My stars so are be- starting to look flabby. <laughs> <laughs> so a so mountain done that is beautiful. We look at it so it's beautiful because it reflects something of the creator behind that, I think. that's what, So I'm, I, I would prefer to see it as the qualities that we see, see in, in creation. I'm really thinking on my feet mm, here. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, but I'm sure there's all kinds of holes no, here. But I think it's a, the qualities that we get through it. 
yeah. as reflecting the divine rather than the material itself. But you know, yeah. your mileage may vary on that. I don't know. Yeah, really. no. It, it, I mean, we're saying similar things, but we're coming coming to beauty from very from diff, a different place. You're coming from a sense of beauty lying beyond that because the creator created yes, something yes. beautiful. That's where I'm always... Yeah. That's exactly right, uh, yes. But yes. I can also affirm that that singularity was beautiful, not that we could have seen it because it's too small for the human eye. It was a lovely little singularity. Was, it was as really singularities lovely. go, it was a beautiful <laughs> was a singularity. And then it explodes into being. So in a sense, we have all come from the same place. So when you look yes. at a star, okay. so let's just take God out of this equation for a moment. When I look at the moon in wonder, when I look at a sunset in wonder, you know, I I kind of worship. But really, I know that a sunset's only made of, you, you know, prism type effects on my eye and, you know, moisture mm. from mm. from condensation and, and all that sort of stuff. I don't pick it apart. I just look at it in wonder. And the same way I look at birds in wonder, the same way I look at plants and indeed rocks on occasions. Let's face it, folks. But it seems to me that that actually God could be in every single electron and proton in, in all the space in between. And this is why I've often said the question is not, does God exist? You know, like as, as some being out there above it all. No, the question is, does anything else exist? No. No, because the yeah, whole, okay. every single atom, everything, it's all God. And it all goes back to God. So, you know, if you imagine, if you imagine a singular, so here's the physical image, but this is only metaphor, I hasten to add. So we explode out, this universe explodes out of a singularity and then it, and then gradually it expands, it expands, it expands until one day, probably a Thursday or Friday, I would imagine, because the weekend's coming. It thinks, actually, I think I'm going to start contracting again. And now it goes right back and it becomes a singularity again. So what if God bursts out this beautiful, loving, energetic, amazing universe of which we are a part and eventually all of it, the whole of it comes back and gathers into God. I like quite a lot of that. I don't understand. I can't comprehend a lot of that. And I think this is also where we're struggling, yeah. isn't it? Because one of the things of Ex Nihilo and God self is that it's it's a statement that God is outside our four dimensionality, our, our understanding of yeah. things. But that's the truth. And therefore... And the, yeah, exactly. And yeah. therefore, the, you know, a lot of what we're talking about, I kind of struggle to kind yeah. of get because everything's metaphorical in that sense. Yeah. You know, every every image we have got, yeah. we talked about this before, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. The old apophatic business. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, all our all our metaphors of God, or even the la the language we're using, is framed within our reality, and therefore mm. is always partial. You know, yeah, the way we yeah. understand it is we can never escape that. So we look for metaphors to help us. So I think I think ultimately, you know, that when you do look at the creation and God creating, mm. it's impossible for us as human beings to think about it in a nonlinear way. Actually, Exactly. Exactly. We can't. We when can't. you get to the singularity, I always think, well, what triggered that? Then? Yeah. And did it happen 13.8 billion years ago? Or did it actually happen yeah, now? Yeah. I mean, and, I suspect it happened now. Time's an illusion, my friend. 
Oh, oh my lord! <laughs> Let's not go there. Well, it, it's it's not that illusionary because this has been quite a long podcast. So <laughs> it has gone on. A listen, bit. listen. Let's 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 park it there for the moment. I'd love to hear people's ideas. I don't know where we've got to with this or what we've decided, but um, you know, I think it's a really interesting and challenging thing because we do talk a lot about creation and therefore you know to try and think through what exactly that means in terms of relation to God. But I want to come back to the opening. Mm. And I want to come back to your funeral bit and see how does that does that fit in with this or, or a little bit, yeah. in the sense that we're dealing in mystery, you know, not certitude. This is faith, and I find you know dogma and doctrine and people who are so certain of things that you cannot be certain a little bit repellent. So I know that I'm overreacting and I shouldn't get angry. And, you know, the person that did this is a, is a lovely person. And if I'm right about what we've been saying, you know, our, our atoms are going to be joined together for all eternity. So we might as well get used to it now. But what actually <laughs> happened was... I don't know quite what you mean by that. But <laughs> well, no, listen, no, we'll come back to it. Listen, okay. this has gone on so long. But listen, okay, <laughs> I'll yeah. just okay. say... So I'm asked by family to do a service. The church leaders are not asked. So that's slightly awkward. I'm in a slightly awkward position. Um, uh, but the church leader provides me with a tribute to read out. And that's fair enough, of course. And the first half of the tribute is lovely. It's not a long tribute. It was the first half lovely about what a wonderful person this was who died. Great. That's exactly what you meant to. But then... This kind of like mini sermon comes out about the greatest thing about this person, of course, is entirely due to the fact they followed Jesus, who was nailed to the cross so that they might not be lost, so oh, that they okay. could be forgiven. So, and it's like, ouch. Oh, so you've, you've still taken the opportunity to preach this sermon. And and the family had asked me because most of their family are not kind of big churchgoers and they wanted the sensitivity, but it still eked in through this tribute. And I just thought... Why would you do that? You know, mm, why not just mm. talk about how lovely the person is? Fair enough. Why? And I think that's what happens when you're certain you, you have to convert everyone to your way of mm. thinking. You can't have a discussion about it. And it's like, well, we're certain about this. And, and it becomes so exclusive. You know, my faith has been opening up and up and up and becoming more and more universal. To the extent that you think, well, of course, in the end, everyone's got to be saved. So it was a real hard shock for me to go back to this moment where, like, you know, mm. it just got under my skin and I completely overreacted. And this person who did the tribute, I'm sure, is an absolutely lovely person. So, you know, I don't want to kind of be all down on it, but it was really difficult. That's why I got mad. <laughs> yeah, well, I, can, I, think that's, I think that's perfectly understandable. Were you, were you reading the tribute out? I yeah, yeah, that? I had to yeah, read it so out. that made it doubly difficult, I think, doesn't oh, it? You're having to just yeah, unbearable. Yeah. Uh, so, I, but I can, I can see why you would find it difficult because you, you are very sensitive yeah. to that because that is everything you don't want to do and everything you've fled from. Yes, I'm exactly sure right. yeah, exactly, you've been yes. at other yeah, things where exactly. people have been equally, um, you know heavy-handed in other ways but you may not have noticed it or you may not have reacted to it because yeah, yeah but human beings not, yeah. have an innate well some human beings have, have an innate inability to not yeah. read the room at all <laughs> and and to you know just get so <laughs> yeah, obsessed with what they think they ought to say at that point yeah but i can see why that yeah, made you sure. angry and, yeah. and you know let's come back to time to yeah. finish up with this it is you know, what we're talking about is always going to be mystery. And I think at the end of the day, it's good to think about it. It's good to discuss it. I suppose for me, I have to come down to this think about what, 
okay, what what actually am I going to do with this? How do I? But how do? So how do I pray using this? Yeah, what difference does it make? How does it affect how you relate? Because I mean, that's the point, isn't it, about creation? Creation points us yeah. to a relationship with God, and that's why God is never, in that sense, separate from us. But yeah. you know, it's all about relationship. No, anyway, exactly. what would you say there? Well, I think get yourself out in creation, and 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 wonder at the biodiversity and the ecology that's going on all around you because and, and and find your finding your place in the ecosystem actually i think is is worship it's glorious it's wonderful so yeah i could i could sit and close my eyes and put my hands together and bow my head and pray and i think that's a perfectly legitimate way of praying but equally i might want to study mm. the autumn leaves because i actually think we do discover mm. something about mm. god as we study creation i really do i don't think it's just an, a, you know, a nice idea to do it. i think for me that is very much part mm. of my worship to study in creation so i don't disagree with any of that um, i think uh, one of the things that sort of, for example the medieval writers thought was that all creation can point us to god you know that was how it worked you could yeah. learn something listen uh, so i mean you know there we go put on yeah. your waterproof trousers of faith as it says in ephesians i believe yes yeah, and and your Wellington <laughs> boots of holiness, and get out there. Mm. So yes, we really ought to to end now. Um, thank you very much for listening. Yes, if you have still, we've rabbited on, and I apologise unreservedly. But let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, solve our problems. And uh, <laughs> thank you very much for contributing, either through email or. Yeah. through uh, other ways or if, particularly for those who support the podcast that's great thank, thank you very you. much thank you and uh, we'll be back with you next week unless what's it called the singularity goes wrong again or andromeda what was when's that happening i think it's probably about eight million years away i think we've got time oh okay oh yeah. well we'll most definitely be with you next week then in that case. yeah <laughs> see you then